Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Diron Cartel Show, episode five. Yes, I'm buzzing. I'm, I've been getting great feedback. Thank you guys for sharing on your stories, telling your friends. Um, it's the most listens I've ever got. Uh, my last episode was the highest so far. Uh, life in isolation, which bangs. So I just want to say thank you guys for listening. And if you haven't subscribed yet, make sure you subscribe now, right now, just so you can get updates every time I upload a new episode. And on today's episode, it's going to be about me. Who is Diron Cartel Part 2? Behind the scenes, January 2018 and beyond. And every time I do an episode on Diron Cartel Part 3, 4, 5, whatever, it's not just going to be about me. It's going to be about my journey, my journey that's happening, stuff that's happened, stories that have happened, things behind the scenes that you guys don't hear about, you don't see. Because... Number one, I don't want to put all of that on my Instagram. Number two, at that time of the place, I might not be ready to put it on Instagram, but I might be ready now to talk about it, you know? And I feel like it's very easy to hide things on Instagram, you know? I think anyone with any sort of following or anyone in general, I mean, there's a lot of things that you don't post on Instagram, but you rather talk about when the time is ready. So what I did today was I actually went through my photo gallery on my phone. I actually created a new album for this podcast. Because when I look at pictures, I remember things better. Um, I can explain things better. And they actually make me happy. That's why I do a lot of content where I edit a lot of um, old videos to make me happy, you know. Make me remember the good times I had with my friends and family. Especially at times like... Especially at times like this, when things are a little bit lower than usual due to COVID-19 that we're all going to be. But um, on the last episode, I finished off with going off to Bali, but I kind of beat around the bush a little bit. I didn't really go into detail. Number one, at the time, I didn't really want to bore you. You know, it was like a 45 minute episode. I thought that's enough for now. And number two, I just... I just took a shortcut, really. I didn't go into detail. And today, I'm going to go a little bit more into detail. And where I left off was when me and James uh, left for Bali, where we left for Bali. And we left uh, from Sydney. And to be honest, I mentioned this before as well. Just a quick recap. We wasn't in a good place. I left. um, I pretty much walked out of a wedding. Wasn't in a good place with someone I was with for seven years. A very difficult decision. Definitely made the right decision. It was actually very difficult leaving the country at that point. Smith had a similar situation. He had a serious girlfriend that he walked away from. He saw the potential of things, I guess, me and him could achieve together, traveling. And it just wasn't right for both of us. Timing-wise, as well as the people, I guess. You know? Um, And so when we left for Bali, man... We had such a good time. I mean, I was looking at some videos yesterday, right? And even just looking at the photos of like all the great memories, like traveling is just the best thing. Like if you haven't traveled yet and the ones that have, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Like people that you meet, you know, new people, being your complete self with no fear of judgment from anyone. Because no matter what we do, what we say, When you're surrounded by people that you're always around, when you're around your friends that have been your friends for years, your family, there's that element of like, you don't do certain things to upset them. You don't act a certain way because in case it might upset them or it might make them look bad, you know. But whereas when you're traveling on your own or with like your best mate, um, it's just different. You You can just be completely yourself right with no fear whatsoever and i think that's why people you know when they go traveling they're like oh i'm going traveling gap year oh my god i'm going on my gap year i found myself in bali bruv i'm not gonna lie i I found myself in bali man it was the first time i like completely let go you know it was crazy the moment when me and smith um decided uh to leave australia his visa was running out and i had nothing left in australia i wanted to leave I was, I've never experienced anxiety in my life, but I felt like I just didn't feel right, you know? I think that's the closest I've ever got to being anxious. 
And um, I was just like, I need to leave. I need to leave this country to feel better. I need to completely get myself out of a situation so I don't see anyone that I know from my past or people that are going to remind me of certain things that I don't want to be reminded, you know? And when we linked up at the airport, I was saying goodbye to my friends at uh, George Street Fitness First. People that um, I spent a lot of time with. I'm actually looking at some of their photos now. Some of my clients, for you guys watching on YouTube, you'll see on the screen. And um, it was very difficult for me to say bye to people I spent two, two and a half years with. And personal trainers will know this. Not just personal trainers. Anyone that works in any, any, any sort of job will know that when you spend time with people on a day-to-day basis, especially when you especially when you're being so social, you build a relationship with these people, you know? And um sometimes these people see things that you don't show at home, especially when you're a PT. Like if you're doing like 12 to 14 hours in a gym from like 6 a.m. to 8, 9 p.m. or whatever, you're spending a lot of time with personal trainers, especially when there's gaps, you know? So you're spending hours and hours and hours with these people. So I made a lot of good friends. I made a lot of good friends. I had mentors, my clients, my my clients, um, my clients that are listening will know this. I chat to my clients like they're my friends. I treat them like family. I feel like it's one of my best ways of being able to coach people, to give a message to those people, you know, <clears throat> as I would chat to exactly like I would to my family, you know, although every individual is different, but we won't get into that and it was very difficult for me to say bye to some of my clients and I had one client his name is Scott I'm showing you guys on a picture the guys watching on YouTube and um, he was my client for about two years he was a he was actually blind when he first came into the gym right let me tell you this when he first came into the gym by the way on the gym floor I love prospecting I feel like I'm so good at it's probably one of the best things I'm good at I saw this guy from legit, like, 50 meters away. The gym was pretty big. All right, maybe it was 20, 30 meters. <laughs> but the gym was big. And I saw this guy a mile away. But the first thing I saw, I'm not going to lie to you guys, is his Rolex. I saw his Rolex and I was like, raw, who's that guy? Then I realized he was blind. But then I looked at his outfit. He was wearing Nike top, Nike socks, Nike trainers, Nike shorts, everything Niked up in color coordinated as well and I was like who the hell is this guy I was like that guy's gonna be my client with a Rolex like that on and an outfit like that and he's blind and he's training in the gym I was like he must be someone special so I approached him and I pretty much said to him I said what are you doing here I said it looks like you need a PT and he was like oh really I pretty much converted him that day and he ended up being my client and I trained him five days a week um every week every week other than the weeks that he traveled and he was actually a very successful business person and he was a uh, a mentor to me a mentor and most importantly a great friend to me in australia although he was like 35 nearly 40 years older than me but that didn't matter you know i could level with him when it came to conversation uh, when it came when it came to talking about any topic really and uh there was a lot of people like that that i'd say goodbye to and it was challenging for me. And um, he's one person that's given me one of the best advice I've ever heard. He said to me, um, James uses this now quite a bit as well. And he loves it as well. And he said to me, Darren, listen, no matter what happens, you're going to be all right. And when you sit back and think about it, it's so true. Like no matter what happens, we're all, we're, we're going to be okay. You know, especially with all this stuff that's happening with COVID-19 we're all stuck inside, but it's only for a period of time, and we're all going to be okay. You lose your job. You're going to be okay. You'll get another, you know? You have a breakup. You break up with your boyfriend or your girlfriend or whatever. It's okay. You're going to be okay. <laughs> You're going to find someone else, you know? Sounds a bit bad, but it's true. So, on the way to the airport, just before I left for the airport, I packed up my suitcase at my house. I moved out, and I took my stuff to the gym. The gym was my second home. I didn't know anyone else there other than my friends from football I made, but the people in the gym were the closest to me. 
and I took my suitcase in and I met some of my clients for a coffee before I knew I was flying out that evening. And James was doing all seeing his friends in Bondi. Um, although we worked in the same gym, we had different relationships with the people in the gym because I, I spent a lot more time there in Jewel Street than he did. And, um, uh, and from there, after I spoke to everyone, uh, said my goodbyes to people, I literally left to go to the airport, to Bali, saying bye to people in the gym and to my clients. Got on the train and uh, went to uh, Sydney Stan Smith Airport. Is it Stan Smith Airport? Yeah. And um, on the way there, I rang James. I was like, hey, bro, where are you? What are you doing? Um, I was like, are you on your way to the airport? I said, I'm just making way there. He's like, yeah, man, I'm just leaving my house. I'm like, are you all right? He's like, he's crying. I'm crying on the phone because, like, you're going through all these mad mixed emotions, you know? And it's a little bit crazy. And I get to the airport. I get there a little bit early, and I've called my mum, dad, whatever. And it was such a hard time for me. I didn't talk about this on my last episode. I, I said I didn't want to get into detail about it, but who cares, innit? Man, I was crying. I spent seven years... um of my life with people there, with someone there, you know, my first time when I went to Australia, I was 17 years old, you know, and this is why I know so much about Australian culture, I've actually spent a lot of time there, that's why I've got residency there, you know, and um, I was like, I'm leaving here, and I I know I'll come back to um, visit, and I know I'll come back see friends, but I won't be living here anymore, and that was a little bit of a weird transition, I also left all my clients. And listen, I was making good money in Sydney. I was bringing in cash money, you know, with my one-to-one PTs. And I was doing online stuff with the JSA. And I was bringing in cash. I literally dropped all my clients, pretty much gave a new business to my friends at George Street, gave them clients, and walked away and dropped my wage from legit over $3,000 a week to like under a thousand dollars a week you know that was a that's a big difference but you know what's crazy i've never felt so good in my life feeling free with one suitcase one backpack and no sort of attachments and i'll tell you what it's the best fucking feeling on earth sorry mind my french but i can't even express how good it feels you know and Although at the airport I was upset, I knew it was the right decision to make. And I'm waiting there and I see Smith. Smith uh, Smith walks over to me. We literally said nothing to each other. We hugged. You could tell we were both in a weird place. And then um, we checked in. We pumped each other up to be like, yeah, come on, let's go. All right, we need to start story now. We can't be showing people that we're upset. Which is crazy, right? When you think about it, it's like it's, it's been a little bit fake for for a minute, you know? But when people ask me this, are you are you really that positive on Instagram? I am, but obviously I have downtimes, like I mentioned on my last episode. But I want to be able to like kind of inspire people, make people happy, people that watch me. I don't want people to watch me and be upset, you know? So if you're in a position to influence anyone in any sort of way, I think you should use that power for good, you know? So, and that's what I did. To be fair, in saying that, I only had like 2,000 followers then. But 2,000 followers then, I was like, oh my days, I've got 2,000 followers. This is crazy. You know, so we 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 checked in our bags. We um we went through security, all of that stuff. And um, at this point, Smith could afford buying business class license, uh, flights. I couldn't at that point. So I was like, bruv, listen, I'm down for traveling that, but I'm not going to lie, man. I'm not going to be buying no business class flights right now. He's like, nah, it's all good. I'll, we'll travel together in the economy. I was like, my man, that's what I'm talking about, you know? And I was like, yeah, we're traveling properly. So we booked a place in um, somewhere called Free Hotel in Bali, in Changu, um, which was like, we shared a room. Like there was two single beds in a room with a bathroom. The room is tiny. Um, Let me look at it on my phone quickly, actually. Like... It's so small, it's ridiculous. Like, it's tiny, you know? And what was cool was you open the doors and you you go into a pool. And when you look to your right, there's a load of other rooms. It's like a hostel slash hotel. We had so much fun, especially the first night. The first night was mental. But going back to leaving Sydney, when I left Sydney, and it was crazy, I was, I did a post, I posted a picture with me, 
in uh, with the harbour bridge behind me and all of that and posted it i got upset sent an email out to like i had like three four hundred people on my email list maybe not even that you know telling people how i felt and what happened and blah 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 and the minute i got on the plane and the minute i felt like the wheels of the plane just like take off you know not the wheels take off the plane but the plane take off it's like my anxiety just left it's like crazy i felt better instantly and this is why sometimes it's important to completely remove yourself from an environment that makes you feel a certain way to another to change how you feel and this is why again isolation can be hard you feel a certain way at home you know you 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 stay on the move you get on the move you see different things you put yourself in different environments it changes the way you feel good bad negative positive whatever you know but as soon as i was on the go and I had no attachments. I didn't have to worry about getting a mortgage. I didn't have to worry about a wedding. I didn't have to worry about getting anyone else, uh, making anyone else happy. It was, the, it was the best feeling ever. All I had to worry about was me. All I had to do was worry about me. Yeah, I worry about my family, but my family are good. They can look after themselves, you know. My family only worry if I'm happy. And if I'm happy, they're happy. So it was the best feeling. And this is why I'm telling you guys now, and especially at times like this, right? People that haven't appreciated traveling or never traveled, do yourself a favor, book yourself a flight somewhere you haven't been, go on your own, go with someone you love, go with a friend, doesn't matter, don't be scared to go alone, go and explore, you know, and um, I'm telling you now, you'll have the time of your life. And so in Bali and Chang, we stayed somewhere called the Free Hotel, which was amazing. So Bali was a weird place because Smith has already been there once. Um, but I've never been, so I was learning the areas. There's like Seminyak, Kutar, Changu. Changu is the spot, by the way. So, ev- so for everyone that's asked me all the time, where should I say in Bali? Listen up right now, okay? You listen up right now, and then don't ask me again in the DMs. No, I'm joking. You can't ask me. It's all good. But um, so for the so for the English guys, so for you guys from the UK and that. Seminyak and Kutar, you know what that's like? That's like, it's like the Magaluf for Australians. I'm not going to lie to you. Sorry to all the Aussies listening. No offense there. I hope you don't take any offense. Um, yeah, it's like the Magaluf. It's bait, you know, it's rowdy. You know, there's Bing Tang shirts everywhere. People screaming. Like, uh, like it's not my sort of place. Changu is a good mix of like that hippie. I'm going to try to figure my, li- <laughs> my life out <laughs> sort of thing. But as well as like, a bit of Western society, enough Western society that we're kind of used to, um, to be able to live there, but also knowing that you, you're you actually in Bali, you know? So um, it's not a city, it's just a small island. So Changu is the spot. One of my favorite things in Changu, and one of the main reasons I go to Changu and spent so much time there, James knows this, uh, anyone that knows me knows this, is Bali MMA. Excuse me. Uh, Bali MMA is a um, mixed martial arts gym, Thai boxing, jiu-jitsu, all of that. It's a professional. There's loads of professional fighters there. It's a professional fighting gym. And they've got a lot of professional fighters in there that fight in loads of um, divisions in Asia, Malaysia, and, well, everywhere in the world. And that place is, that place is honestly like my second home. And it's the main reason I go to Bali every year. It's just so I can go train there with... Um, trader with Mike, see the guys that own Bali MMA, Donnie, all the boys, and Andrew, everyone, Nirene out there. Um, I love it. It's like my second family there. And if you ever go to Bali, go and do a training session there. You'll know exactly what I'm talking about. I've never seen such a welcoming um, gym in my life before. Because this isn't a plug, by the way. Um, I'm just talking from experience. I've trained in a lot of places. And although martial arts can be very intimidating to people that have never done it it's actually one of the most humbling things and you'll notice when you meet a lot of fighters um although they stunt a lot to promote fights and everything they're probably the most humble athletes i've ever met you know it's amazing like having the power to be able to beat the living shit out of someone it does humble you you know and if you're not humble and you go in there and you do a session you'll be humble very very quickly you know like the power of feeling powerless is crazy 
And the time that we spent in Bali was, it was great. It was amazing. It it really helped me figure a lot of things out. I had time to think about just me, you know. And most importantly, I was having a great time. I had I had no worries in the world. And I think one of the, that feeling alone kind of made me figure out kind of what I want to do, you know. I didn't know I didn't know I wanted to do a podcast. I didn't know what I was doing with socials. All I knew was I'm like a personal trainer and I just want to do stuff online. And kind of just living in the present and working on things uh uh bit by bit accumulated to all this other stuff happening that I didn't even know that was going to happen, you know? I just knew that I wanted to do big things. Although I feel like I haven't done big things yet, I know they're coming. You know, I'm just going to keep working hard and um keep hustling one thing about bali is um you can only spend like two months there maximum so you have to do visa uh, visa runs and me and smith we didn't extend our visas there so we can do a visa run and one of the visa runs that we did was in singapore which we had like such a great time and i'm looking at some pictures now in singapore we went and spent a night at uh, marina bay sands uh which is sick like crazy it's unbelievable the infinity pool is wicked but then, like, that's it. After the Infinity Ball, like any the hotel room is like any other hotel room, you know. And it it's good, but for the price you pay, like, after you've done it once, you, you don't really care, you know. By the way, Marina Bay Sands, if anyone is listening, if you offer me a free night, I will come and stay there. Um, <laughs> but yeah, like the Infinity Pool itself is um, they actually make the water cold on purpose so you don't spend too much time there because people legit go there just to take photos. And um, which was amazing. And one of the cool things about um, having followers is at that point, I remember getting up to like six, seven thousand followers or something. And Smith was on probably like 55, 60,000. Um, at that point, um, Smith had a few followers from Singapore. So there was a few girls that met us and took us around. And it was cool. That's one of the coolest things about having followers in different countries is you put one post or you put one post about things to do or if you need a bit of help like people just come and people just come and show you around and it's amazing and that's one of the most amazing things about social media it's one of the powerful things about social media that we can all benefit from you know meeting connecting with people and yeah so after um we got back and did our visa run after we had a lot of good times in singapore uh smith had to go back to sydney for a week um for a gsa challenge which was the first gsa challenge i didn't want to go i was not ready to go back into sydney after just being away for like five weeks i didn't want to enter into australia for at least like six to eight months i was like nah i don't want to i don't want to be there right now at all you know and um so i had to spend time on my own in bali smith ran off and you know what i'm not gonna lie I wasn't ready to spend time on my... But what I did was I met a lovely girl in Australia. Her name is Felicity. And um, she was actually in the UK at the time. And I didn't want to spend any time on my own. Barely knew her at the time. So I was like, I sent her a message. I was like, Fliss, have you ever been to Bali? She said no. And I was like, listen, I'm not going to lie. I don't want to be alone right now. I'm going to get myself a nice villa. You're more than welcome to come join me. If you haven't been to Bali before, don't think too much. Buy yourself a flight and come over to Bali and I'll get us a villa and we'll hang out for a week or 10 days. And that's what I did, you know, um, and I lived for those things. I really, I really wasn't that person before and I wanted to do things that kind of made me uncomfortable and do things I've never done before. So I just invited this random girl that I didn't really know that well at the time. And she came over and we had, we had a great time. I had a great time. She had a great time. And it just kind of took off from there. And then, um, yeah. And and it, it's it's those things that, like, I really enjoy in life. Whereas before, I used to think about things too much, you know. It's like some some decisions, we should just do things. Just do it. Like Nike, innit? Just do it. Like, stop thinking about it. Just go for it. Do it. And whatever happens, happens. And whatever happens, you'll be all right. You know, it either works out bad, bad or it works out good and you carry on chatting and if you don't chat either way i'm sure you would have had a good time you know so um so yeah so i wasn't actually ready to spend time on my own and that's why i did that 
it's crazy. I'm someone, and I've mentioned this before on other podcasts, is I get a lot of my energy from other people. And mentally, I wasn't ready to spend time on my own. It's mad. And this is one of the reasons I think me and Smith became close in Bali because he was in the same place and I was in the same place where we always had people around us in our bad times. And I think with the people that you spend a lot of time with in those rough times, you actually become maybe not dependent, but you become close. You become close to each other, you know? And I think that's how you get good friendships that form or completely the opposite, you know? That's when you know when your friend, when your real friends are there for you or they're not, you know, when you're going through tough times, you know, it was a, it was a, it was a time where I learned a lot of things in my life. And um, after all that, after um, spending time with uh, her in Bali, after James got back, um, I was living my best life in Bali. I was drinking. I went from not drinking at all. Only started drinking like two years ago, legit when I left for um, Bali pretty much. Um, And, after that, we decided to go back to the UK. Coming back to episode one, those are the bits I've missed out. Coming back to the UK, I was buzzing to get back to the UK. At this point, I, had, I hadn't seen my family for a very long time. I think something around like a year and a half, I didn't see my family, my mum, my dad, my sister. So I was ready to go back and see them. And one of the cool things was... Um, See, one of the things I said about not thinking about something, just doing it. When we when we left Bali, because we made such good friends and because a lot of things changed for us in Bali, that year, I think, uh, me especially, I grew and I changed a lot, you know, and it was important. And I think that's why I've got this weird attachment to Bali. And uh, when we left, one of our good friends, Alina, that we met there, that you guys would know, and if you don't, you'll see her in our story soon, uh, especially my story soon and um she wrote this nice letter you know and it, it was weird it got a bit emotional and because you formed this new personality in this new country and I knew going back home people were going to see me different people going to see me very different to how I was before you know which kind of scared me a little bit kind of frightened me a little bit I was hoping all my friends still liked me <laughs> but at the same time I didn't really care you know, I was just like doing me. I was being more selfish. And so when we left for Bali, it was it was very we 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 were upset on the way on the way to the airport leaving Bali, but we knew there was big things that were going to happen in the UK. Well, I didn't know, but I was just hoping there would be big things happening in the UK. And um, when we got to the airport, keep in mind, like I'm not earning that much money. I'm earning enough to get by. I'm earning enough to have a good like enjoy a good lifestyle but got to the airport right so we're flying with emirates to dubai we're having a stopover in dubai and then flying from abu dhabi to london and um got to dubai uh sorry got to the bali airport and from there saw the queue of economy i was like nah oh, I was like, oh, this ain't happening and I, and I had some savings i had savings in australia that i was going to get a mortgage a house with all this stuff and not that there's anything wrong with that you can do that if that makes you happy but it didn't make me happy and i was like why why do I have like these savings if I'm not ever gonna use it? Like I should be enjoying this, you know what I mean? I'm like 25, 26 years old. 25, sorry. No, tw- 25, yeah. And I was like, I'm just gonna enjoy it. So I went to the queue and I was like, how much is business class? And Smith looked at me like, what are you doing? I said, I said, let's just see. How much is business class? They said the upgrade is a thousand dollars. I said, yeah, thousand dollars. That's like 500 pounds. I said, yeah. I said, we'll get two. So I've got two business class flights. Me and Smith flew business. And that was the first time ever I bought myself a business class flight. Business class flight, sorry. And I know it sounds silly. And I know there's people that like, oh my God, look at this person taking a picture of a business class flight and posting it on Instagram and all this stuff. But the feeling of being able to buy a business class flight, it it's, the, it's not even that it's anything crazy. It's just having the mental capacity to not care and just pay for it and just sit down and enjoy it, that was a big achievement for me because I used to think about things so much. I used to think about things so much. I never calculated, if I buy a business class flight right now, I work online, I can go sit in the lounge, 
I can do more work in the lounge. I can write another email. I can create a new video. Um, I can make more content, whatever, while I'm waiting for my flight instead of wasting time around the airport, which can potentially help me grow as a business person, as a person, and um, another way I can help you guys, you know, by creating more content or writing another email or replying to all my clients on time, you know? And so it was one of those things where I sat down and I was like, I was absolutely buzzing. From the age of like 17, when I first flew out to Australia to travel, um, I would always walk past those aisles and I'd always be like, oh, one day, one day I'm going to sit business class, like 100%, I don't care. I'm going to sit business class, I'm going to enjoy it. And one day it's going to be a permanent thing. You know, I'm going to make sure it happens every time. And so that was a big achievement for me. And it was the coolest thing. It was crazy. When I walked in, someone was like, oh, Mr. Cartel, how are you? I was like, no, no, don't call me that. I was like, just call me Diren. I got so excited. I didn't know how to chat to the person that was serving me on the flight because I didn't know what I can do and what I can't, you know? It was like, sorry, can I get more food? They're like, yeah, of course you can get more food. What would you like? And I'm like, okay, cool. Can I get a bit of this? They're like, would you like anything else? I'm like, uh, if I can, yeah. So I got so excited and I told uh, the girl that was working for Emirates, Emirates Girls, fit, by the way. <laughs> and I told her, I was like, this is my first time flying business class, you know? And I said, it's pretty cool. So she gave me this like little package and then she gave me five, you get these little packages when you fly business class, like um, with like cream, shaver, deodorant, all this stuff. She was like, how many family members do you have? And I was like, oh, I've got my mom, dad, sister. And she gave me like four of these little packages to go give to them because I was so like maybe appreciative or I just told her exactly how I felt. Because I'm assuming they actually deal with a lot of pricks that fly in business class. You know, people that walk in there think they're entitled to act a certain way, talk to people in a certain way, which I hate. You know, I saw a guy click once and I wanted to just go slap him. I just hate things like that. So um, when I saw that, um, when she must have seen maybe someone that genuinely is having a great time and um, is really appreciating where they are, I think she enjoyed seeing that back. So she just like paid me a lot of attention, she brought me extra food, and yeah, it was good, it was a wicked experience, you know, got back to England, and it was, got back to England, and I'm looking at this picture now, um, for you guys that are watching on YouTube, it's a picture of uh, me and James hugging at the airport, and um, so before that, we spent a day in, in Dubai, where we actually just got smashed, then went to Abu Dhabi, and then flew out from Abu Dhabi uh, to London, and when I got to Dubai, me and James have spent pretty much three months every day together. Every day together. We hugged it by, he went to Windsor and I went to Edmonton. You know, he went to his house, pretty nice house, pretty big house, got his own room, got his own space. And I went to London to my parents' house. Haven't seen my family in a long time, which I was buzzing to see my parents, buzzing to see all my cousins. And it was such a great feeling to be back home. I was so happy uh, to be back, you know. And it was, it was very different for everyone that was seeing me now because I was, I was a very different person. But I didn't know what was going to happen when I was in London. I was just like, I'm just going to carry on with online PT, do my best. Hopefully, at this point, I was a contractor for JSA. I was working for JSA. I was working for two of my best mates. I was like, my goal is to. Um, have enough following, be able to market myself properly, uh, learn what I can from my mentors around me, get all my own clients and do that. I eventually ended up doing that and I do that now, um, which is great, by the way. Like it's, it's the best feeling. But before that, I didn't know what was happening. I didn't realize going back to the UK, what would happen, right? So when I got back to the UK, Smith told me, some guy approached him, a management, some guy that does events, his name is Luke, who is, who is now his manager and my manager. And um, he said, oh yeah, this guy approached me about manager, this is, what do you think they're in? I was like, bro, listen, managers, agents, just a heads up, these guys, are these people are sneaky. They're sneaky, you know? He goes, I'm going to go meet him. I said, cool, go meet him and then let me know what he's like, innit? I was like, because I know snakes when I see him, man. I know snakes when I see him. And, um, He's messaging me. He's like, oh, this guy just picked me up in a Ferrari. And I was like, oh, of course he picked you up in a Ferrari, bro. He's trying to wow you. Of 
course, this is what these people do. They try to wow you and then, and then put you in their pocket. It's, I said, don't be where he wants you to be, brother. I said, ask questions, whatever. And I was like, I need to meet this guy. And he was like, he wants to do events. He wants to do a UK tour with me. And I was like, bro, go for it, whatever. I said, is there a contract, blah, blah, blah. And the man, Luke, who manages us now, he didn't line up any contract with James at that point. He was like, I want you to trust me and blah, blah. And I thought, fuck, you know, that's a, that's a first. Because I've got a lot of friends that, um, we've got a lot of friends that play football. So I've seen people that they deal with, agents, managers, they're usually pricks. <laughs> if there's any managers listening, I'm sorry, but you know what I'm talking about. And um, and you have to be a little bit, you have to not be sneaky, but you have to be, you have to know certain things. You act a certain way maybe to get that person's attention, to sell them, to get them as your client, whatever. And um, they had UK tours um, set, which was about six weeks from when we got to London. And um, I was like, oh, sick, buzzing for you. I'd be like, yeah, man, I'll come and support you. Sorry. Yep, I just burped. Um, <laughs> and I'm not even going to edit that out. Um, so he was like, uh, I was like, yeah, wicked. Let me know the dates, man. I'll come support you. Not a problem. Like, I'll be there for you as a friend. He was like, yeah, yeah, they want to pay for your train tickets, get your hotel room, all that stuff. I was like, yeah, why? They were like, oh, they've been watching us since we were in Bali and they've been seeing us both on the screen and all that stuff. I said, oh, okay, cool. I was like, let me meet this guy, bruv. So the first show was in Wales. It was about 150 people or something, 120 people or something like that. At this point, I've got 10,000 followers. But this, it's got nothing to do with me. This is James's tour. So I was like, I'll come, bro. I'll come and support you as a friend. So I was just going to sit in the audience and just be there. I didn't know at this point, like, although I had 10,000 people following me on Instagram, I didn't realise when I get there, people would know who I am, which was mind-blowing to me. You don't understand, and it still is to this day. It's crazy. I get there, right? I get there. I'm just looking at the picture. There's a picture of me and um, James on stage and me and uh, the manager sitting on chairs in Wales, right? And uh, <laughs> I get there. And before the show, they hand me a microphone, right? And I'm like, what? What's going on here? They're like, oh, you're involved in the show. And I'm like, what do you mean we're involved in the show? I was like, what's going on? At this point, James hasn't written a PowerPoint. We've, we don't know what's going on. We just like rocked up. I was like, James, we should write some stuff that. He was like, oh, we'll just go with it and see what happens. I was like, cool, whatever. You know, one thing with uh, when we go out and do these things is obviously now it's a lot more planned and James is a lot more experienced and so am I. Keep in mind, I've never done any public speaking. James has had a few talks and stuff, but me, I've got no, I had no experience in that. So when they gave me the microphone, I was like, okay, this is weird. Like, I was like, what do you want me to do with this? They're like, just do what you guys do on Instagram. And I was like, okay, cool. So the plan was, James was, James was going to go out for like 20 minutes or so. Uh, this is the first show. And there's no, there's no, there's no powerpoints. There's no slides. Nothing. There's just a picture of James, right? He's on stage. He walks out on stage. People cheer like, woo! I get there, and we planned before the show. Sorry, James is like, oh, so I'm gonna go in. I'm gonna talk for about ten minutes, fifteen minutes, and uh, and then I'll call you out, and then you jump on stage, and then we can, um, and then we can just go with it. And I was like, okay. This is weird. I was like, I just thought I was coming to just help out a mate, you know. Thought like I was coming to watch my friend play football or something, you know. One of those things. And so James jumps on stage about 30 to 40 seconds in. I'm watching from like the roof bit. I'm taking like stories like, oh, this is crazy. And then he jumps on. He doesn't freeze, but I could tell that he, he like paused in it. And I was like, oh, snap. <laughs> I was like, is this going to be like that episode at 8 Mile? So he calls me out within 20 seconds, right? And I was thinking he's going to talk for a while. As soon as he calls me out, right, I could see with him, he got more comfortable straight away because obviously, just in case, if anything did happen, keep in mind this is the first show, I'm there to back him up and if anything happened with me, I could back him, um, he could back me up, you know? And then as soon as I got on and we just started bouncing back and forth with each other, and um, it ended up being wicked. Like it was sick. I had so much fun. I didn't. I didn't even know I was going to be involved in these shows. And then again, it was James's tour. 
I didn't want anything. I just wanted to be there and support my friend because I've never ever with him, with anyone, any of my friends, any of my friends that are successful, right? I've never ever been interested in being able to get anything from them or expect anything. You know what I mean? I've just always been there to support. And since I've done that with so many of my friends, it's opened me so many doors. You know, it's given me an opportunity to show myself and what my potential is and what I can achieve. And I think um, it's really important we all have that sort of mentality. You know, just be kind, be nice. Do things that are, get out your way to do things for people that you love, people that you spend time with, people that you respect. You know, these things, people see these things and they open doors for you. You know, and I feel like a lot of things have happened like that for me, you know, especially in the last two years. And um, it's given me an opportunity to showcase myself. And by the time we got to, um, by the time we did three, four, five shows, this was, these shows were happening all over summer, all across summer um, around the UK. And keep in mind, I've never really been around the UK. I don't know much about the UK. I've traveled a lot around the world, but I actually haven't been to a lot of places in the UK. So thanks to the tour, I actually got to travel the UK, which was amazing. Meet so many people, meet so many people that um, I've made programs for within the JSA, met so many people that have inboxed me so many times, people that follow me on Instagram. And it was crazy. It was amazing. Like, I didn't think in any way this... Um, I didn't think in any way when we left Australia, like all this was possible. I knew things were going to happen and things would happen, but I didn't know it was going to happen like this soon, you know? And, um, and the mad thing is it wasn't, it wasn't like directly, it wasn't, it wasn't happening to me directly. It was happening to my friend. And I felt like I was living it through, through that. And I was just having as good time as possible. I was, I was treating it like it was my show, mate. I'm not going to lie. You know, I was just treating it exactly like how it is my show. And I think people see the respect that I give. Uh, people see my work ethic, uh, ethic, sorry, um, to what I do for other people, and they appreciate it. And then that opens me a lot of doors to showcase myself. You know, I think anyway. I don't know. Maybe I've just got lucky with a few things. I don't know. But um, but um, after the shows, by the time when all these shows were happening, before the UK. Uh, before we finished off the UK tours at um, the last shows were in Manchester and in London, which was the biggest show. London, I think it was like 700 people, six to 700 people, which is crazy, crazy. So by the time we get to the London show, we've obviously become a lot more confident. James's, James's show on his own, uh, James's uh, slides on his own, he became very good. By the time the tour was done, he became a, a very good speaker. You know, and I became a lot more confident. I wasn't at that level, but I became a lot more confident speaking in front of people and um, being able to like control the audience and uh, be involved. And now I can say this confidently, like I could easily stand up on stage and talk for ages, just like this. At that point, when when I was learning all of that, not when I was learning all that, when I was experiencing all of that, which was obviously I was learning on the job. I wouldn't have been able to speak like this on a podcast. The first time I did a podcast, I had to go back three times and restart it, you know, Sim only because I was like, I thought I messed it up. I thought I messed it up. But then I was like, you know what? Forget this. I'm just recording. Whatever happens, happens. And the more you do things, the more you practice things, um, you get better at it. Same thing with content. Same thing with uh, being on camera. The more you do it, the more natural you become at it, you know. And one thing, you one thing talent can always beat, right? One thing, a way you can always beat talent, sorry, is by being disciplined and being consistent, and just practicing, 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 practicing. It's not always about talent. It's always about being consistent and being disciplined and just practicing, you know. And this is with anything, no matter what you do, lift, do podcasts, content, you know, anything that you do, football, whatever. And um, yeah, so but before that, right, before the end of um, the UK tour, where me and Smith as friends obviously became even more closer, we spent so much time together. We were doing flights to Ibiza, we were doing little flights everywhere, we were just taking off, you know, I was living my best life in Europe. That That summer was my best summer ever. My life changed so much, like so much, 
Like I can't, I can't express how much it changed. And I don't know if I'll ever get that feeling again. Because anything that happens now, other other than the time, other than anything that happens for the first time, it's it's hard to get that feeling again, you know? Do you know what I'm trying to say? Like anyway, and um <clears throat> one thing that happened was we were at a festival that one of our managers um run, uh, our manager runs. And when we got invited to the festival, we wasn't as close to our manager Luke at that point. But when we got invited to the festival, we got invited to the festival. We had hotel rooms sorted. We were in the hotel where all the talent was, like Craig David, all of those people, Sean Paul and that. They were staying in the same hotel, you know? And I was like, fuck, this is crazy. Like, what are we doing here? We get to the festival. We go through the back doors, VIP, everything. We go backstage, drink tickets, the lot. Like, this is all crazy. Like, it's all, <laughs> I can't tell you. Like, I was like, they're giving me drink tickets in my hand and I'm looking at him going, James, like, bruv, is this all for free? This is crazy, bruv. Why are they giving this to us? You know? <laughs> like, I don't think at that point we didn't realise we didn't realise how much impact um like especially Smith was giving to people. I didn't realise I was giving that much impact to people, especially after Neat Up twenty four seven banked, which happened that summer as well. And um that happened because I was pretty much I didn't know <laughs> me and Smith were trying to compete and getting leaner. My way of getting leaner was just getting loads of steps. So I just kept walking around screaming knee up 24-7 and it just pops on the internet. Um, and his way was with exercise activity thermogenesis training. Yeah, uh, by doing lots of jiu-jitsu. And um, anyway, so after the festival and all of that, we actually, our manager, uh, <laughs> our manager's investors by accident pops let something out of his mouth by saying, oh, are you guys excited for the jet? And we was like, what? The jet? What are you talking about? And then he quickly changed the conversation. And I was like, Smith, did you hear that? Did, did someone just say something about a jet? Like a private jet? I'm like, he's like, I think I think he did. But I don't think it will happen. I was like, okay, cool, whatever. In it. Either way, I don't care. At this point, I'm happy getting bloody free drink tickets. Like, I don't care if I get invited to get on a jet or not. You know? So... But then, before the last two shows, we get a call up from our manager saying, "Hey boys, we we'll need you to. We want to make uh, meet us in uh, Portsmouth at this time." Blah blah blah. They're like, "Where are we going?" Um, they're taking us. Our manager Luke took us to Ibiza for a night on a private jet to say like, "Well done on what you guys have achieved over the last um, uh." last few months over the tour and stuff you know and like I said I was just there on tour to support my mate you know but I didn't realise I'd actually play a big part and now it's like when Smith does his live tours like I'm there people expect me to be there I know people buy tickets now because I'm there you know and I can confidently say that whereas before I didn't have that confidence you know I was just like oh I'm just there but then after so much time, I realize, oh snap, I actually add value to what's happening, you know. And sometimes it's hard to get that around your head because you, um, there's always sometimes you doubt yourself in things until someone you really trust reassures you in things, you know. And, um, when people I trust reassured me in certain things, I was like, fuck, yeah, you know what? I add value to this. This is, this is, um, this is sick. I, I deserve this too, you know. And, um, James knew that. I knew that now, you know, the manager knew that, Luke knew that, and um, by the way, I keep saying manager because uh, we just like to keep him low-key, <laughs> not like low-key from Marvel, like low-key, innit, <laughs> but um, so so we get to, um, so we get to the airport, <laughs> me and Smith get there for like two hours earlier, like two hours earlier, we call him, we're like, Luke, where are you guys at, and we're, we're at the, the jet airport, it's got like a whole different section, you know, mind-blowing, and um, when we're there, we call Luke, and Luke's like, "What are you boys doing?" We're like, "We're here, like we're waiting, innit? We're gonna check in, all that." They're like, and he's like, "Lads, it's a private jet. You can rock up late, and the plane will wait for you." And we're like, "Oh, okay." <laughs> so obviously, we've never been on a jet before, so we're just like taking photos uh, by the plane and everything. Um, the jet lounge is like, there's coffees, there's food champagne you know there's a whole another madness and i'm like 
on that. So, okay, so I've got, we've got some clothes. But I'm like, how long are we in Ibiza? They're like, we're just going for a day. So I was like, how are we getting back? Like EasyJet or whatever? They're like, no, no, we're bringing a jet back. And I was like, what? This is, this is madness. I left my house, my family home, jumping on the 476. Yeah, I'll <laughs> I left my family family home on Tottenham High Road. I jumped on a bus to get to the train station, to get to this airport. And now you're telling me I'm going on a private jet to Ibiza for a night. I was like, where are we staying? They're like, oh, don't worry, lads. I've got a surprise for you. We get to Ibiza. And keep in mind, when, I, when we posted pictures by the jet, when I posted pictures by the jet, the first thing I was saying was like, hashtag not my jet, you know, because... Not that it mattered, but I just didn't want people thinking I was paying for it. And I didn't want people thinking I was a knob. Because a lot of people do. But then I thought, you know what? Fuck those people. I'm having a great time. I'm just going to post a picture with me by a jet with my mates. Live my best life, you know? And it's just, it's proof that, like those uh, key things I mentioned before, you be kind, you be a good person, you work hard, you show discipline, you respect the people around you, uh, you do things for other people, um don't be uh you do things thinking of other people as well things will come back around to help you as well you know and so i thought fuck it i'm just gonna post it i'm glad i did all my friends from east london north london whatever they were like this is crazy there i was like you think this is crazy imagine how i feel i sat on the plane there was a ride on the plane there was all sorts of drinks you can think of like on the jet and i was like my mind was blown I'm sitting on the jet and I'm like looking outside. The jet hasn't even took off yet. And like Luke's like tapping me on the shoulder. The boys, they're like, Dylan, are you all right? I'm like, yeah, man, I just need a minute. <laughs> I just need a minute to like take all this in because it's absolutely crazy. We get to Ibiza. We get to Ibiza and then we drive to Schweier. You Schweier. You Schweier. I think that's how you say it. And um, we get there and we're staying in like, one of the best hotels in Ibiza. And I'm like, oh my God, this is crazy. I'm like, where are we staying? We have a stage room where there's going to be a, sh where there's going to be a show later in the afternoon. And I'm like, oh my God. And then we also had a suite. So I was like, we have a stage room to watch what's happening. <laughs> and then we have a suite to go sleep in or to have an after party more like. So I was like, my mind was blown away from all of this i just couldn't stop thanking people like around me like thank you thank you thank you like people end up telling me to shut the fuck up because they're and they're like just enjoy it you deserve all this whatever and um again it, again it was hard for me to believe that like how's all this happening you know i guess i'm just someone that i not i guess i know i'm someone that appreciates even the smallest things you know and um it was just such an amazing thing for me and looking at the photos and looking at the photos now like at that time was like mind-blowing there's me james jade um luke and then just running around. we're in budgie smugglers budgie smugglers just running around in ib for you know uh got there on a private jet for a day like it's absolutely ridiculous and um it's crazy we got back the day after after having a crazy night crazy night got back the day after they have to wake up and thinking, oh, these boys don't want to drink again. But I realise I'm surrounded around so many drinkers. And um, they end up drinking again. They're like, Darren, you're going on a private jet again to London. How are you not going to drink? And I was like, they've got a fair point. I might not be able to get on a private jet again, you know. So why don't we just take advantage of it? And um, so we're getting booze before we even get on, having like coconut daiquiris in Ibiza before we fly back um to uh to London and that week was crazy because we got back to London me and Smith stayed together um we stayed together in Clapham then we ended up traveling to Manchester for the Manchester show did a crazy show the Manchester show was amazing there was like 500 people I think um after the Manchester show the day after I had a huge night the day after straight to London for the London Live, where I was going to have family and friends there too, which was the biggest show. And by the time we got to the London show, we were a lot better. James was way better. I was a lot better. I was way more confident on stage. And um, we just had a great time and ended up going out with all our families and friends that night 
that day was a bit of a weird day for me. Before before I got on stage, I actually got news that my granddad died. Uh, it was I'm not gonna lie, it was a bit weird for me to like get that news and then go on stage and just like try to be positive. It was hard, but um, luckily my granddad he was a, he was an old guy. He was like ninety. It was like 94, 95. So he had a good life. So it, it didn't matter. But um, after that, after the show, we had a great time with family and friends. And me and Smith were so exhausted. So exhausted after the shows. Uh, we just needed like just days off at home. And one of the crazy things in doing those shows is like the last show, the UK tour and supporting Smith on his book tour is you're talking to so many people talking to so many people uh, so many people are trying to talk to you and every time I talk to someone I, I make sure I give them my full attention because if you've got the power to um, help someone or whatever um, when you're talking to them I think you should use that power for good and if any day I turn around and end up not being that person I know for sure my mum my dad will slap me around the face but um I'll never be that person. When I'm talking to someone, I give them my full attention. I ask them about them and I ask them what they need from me, how I can help them or whatever, even if it's a pitch or whatever. And um, when you do that with literally hundreds of people on, on the day of a show, sometimes, well, the last London show was 1,200 people and you're doing that with that many people, it's um, absolutely crazy. Your brain gets so fried and you are the center of attention. You are the center of attention. And um, one way or another, people want to chat to you, yeah? And when all that goes away, yeah, <laughs> when all that goes away and you go home alone, well, man ain't going home alone, bruv. <laughs> Not alone, but um, when you go home alone the day after, <laughs> like, it all comes, not crashing down, but you think, wow, the night before you had all this attention and now... Now, today, like, you feel like a nobody. And I am nowhere near where I want to be. And I want to be able to spread my message to so many people. And I want to get to a point where uh, a lot of people know me for the message that I give. But all I could think of was all those people that big-time celebrities, big-time celebrities that have anxiety problems and people with millions of followers that get this attention on a day-to-day -day basis walking around the streets of anywhere um that get this sort of attention and when they go home and they're completely alone how does that play with them how does that play with their mindset it must be so mentally challenging for them and you can see why some of those people will feel the way that they feel you know not saying I felt like that. I was fine. Although it felt weird getting a lot of attention one day and the next day you feel like a nobody. <laughs> but like, and I've never openly spoke about this because uh, that's why I, I kind of call this like behind the scenes. And like I said before, we don't always really talk about exactly how we feel on Instagram or whatever. I just wanted to say it um, on a podcast. And, um, and James will say the same thing. And... I appreciate uh, having this journey with James because we can talk about these things together. And although at the moment he's he's way more popular than I am at the moment, and but I can relate to the things he's saying and I completely understand because I've seen it all happen. So it's it's great to be able to have a friend to talk to about these things, you know, and completely understand. And I think that's why. Um, we understand each other so well you know some he knows this as well like sometimes I don't have to say nothing he'll know exactly what I'm thinking he won't have to say nothing I'll know exactly what he's thinking you know and it's just that's only because we spent so much time together doing a lot of things together right and um, yeah after the show it was great that summer was definitely the best time of my life that was a period of my life where I learned so much and I'll say we call it a day for Diron Cartel Part 2 Behind the Scenes from January 2018 and that was pretty much 
2018, other than other small bits, um, spending time with my family, the important things with my friends, and um, then we actually head back to Australia, do a bit more traveling. Uh, I did, I did a bit more traveling. I spent more time in Bali, and um, but yeah, just want to say thank you guys for listening. I uh, hope you guys enjoying this. Please subscribe to the channel. Uh, let me know what you guys think of the podcast. I hope it, I hope it helps you. I hope it's an easy lesson, and I hope um, you get something out of today. And when I when I say the episode about Darren Cartel Part Two, I'm only talking about behind the scenes stories and talking about myself is to be able to tell you guys in a way, basically exactly how I'm feeling. And this is mad therapeutic for me, but I also want you guys to understand it's so completely normal to feel the way that you feel sometimes, you know, and remember whatever, whatever, whatever that's happening in your life, whatever that you're going through, uh, number one, you're going to be okay. You're going to be all right. And number two, there's a lot of people feeling exactly the same as you. So you're never truly alone, if that makes sense. Thank you guys for listening. And I hope to see you guys soon. Peace.